Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Cunningham, and I want to welcome you and I back, as there was a break in the show, to another episode of KC's Conversations. Follow me and catch up on all the previous episodes at kacunningham.com. Also, be sure to check out my Instagram and Twitter. Both handles are k underscore Cunningham 32. In today's episode, I am joined by Coach Candice Walls, the Assistant Director of Athletics for Athletic Performance with the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, where she works directly with the women's basketball and women's soccer programs. Candace tells us about how she learned the essence of hard work at an early age and how she has carried that with her throughout her career. She emphasizes taking care of yourself to be your best. Have you ever decided you want to get punched in the face? Can't say I have, but Candace explains why she did. And all while getting punched in the face, she shares how her own practice of dealing with nerves comes in handy while guiding her student athletes to do the same. I hope you all enjoy our conversation because Candace knocks this one out. I would like to welcome today's guest, Coach Candace Walls, to the episode of Casey's Conversations. Candace, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Um, <laughs> I love beginning each episode with a moment um, to have you share what you're grateful for today. Oh, my goodness. I've got so much to be grateful for. Um, I think right now I'm so grateful for the people that are in my life. Between the staff that I work with, the coaches that I work with, the coaches that are coaching me currently, um, my family. I think this past week has really kind of shown me how many people I kind of have that support me and pour into me. So I do a gratitude journal every day. Um, and I've just noticed all week, my three things I write down has to do with somebody in my life. So definitely the people for sure. And you for having me on this thing. So thank you. We've met each other uh, multiple times, uh, national conferences, but you have anything fun going on this year um, so far and within the academic year, I guess I should say, because I probably saw you over the summer. So, Oh my gosh, I know. I'm trying to think. So I think I saw you when was that? May? I did. Mm-hmm. A, I was actually at National Golden Gloves for boxing. And hey. so I'm like, oh my gosh, honey, I see yous. I need to get down there. I've never missed a conference in over like 11 years. So I literally jumped on a flight, um, came for 24 hours, hugged everybody, said hi, went to the speakers that I could, and then rushed back and then had a fight like the next day. It was crazy. Um, but since then, yeah, I mean, we've hired some new staff members. We did our five-year plan here. Um, I have a boxing tournament I leave for on Sunday. It's a qualifier for the Olympic trials. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, I mean, let's see, my boyfriend got a job at the Denver Nuggets. So I'm getting to kind of like experience that too. So there's been a lot that's been going on since May. <laughs> yeah. You sound like a busy woman. That's for sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> there's no arguing with that. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, let's go back and um, let's discover how you got to where you are now. Let's start with um, what was your experience growing up with sports? Well, I grew up in the mountains of Kentucky, so you were outside anyway. It was either like be inside and read a book or go outside. Well, I have a tension span of about this big. (laughs) So, of course, I was always outside. My mom was a hooper growing up. 
My dad did like rock climbing and spelunking. Uh, he was a very interesting man. Let's just say that. And so I didn't really have a choice. I think it was kind of like born into two parents that kind of like you need to move in your life. And I think through that, um, especially being in the mountains, there's nothing there. So I went to a very small school. So I did everything from basketball to volleyball. I did baseball. And then when I turned 13, they're like, you got to play softball. Of course, I took my feminist stance and I'm like, why do I need a bigger ball in a smaller field? Like, that's not fair. I want to play baseball. Um, and so then kind of winged me into my, and I love softball now. I just didn't, I was an arrogant little 13 year old. Um, but it wings me kind of into track. So literally any sport you could think of, I kind of played. And what's funny is, uh, I found these notebooks of when I was like 15 that I was writing practices. And, uh, what I noticed is all my practices were basically fitness classes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, maybe I don't want to be a coach cause I hate watching film. Um, and then that's when I kind of realized that I like training for the sport more than I like the sport. And so that's kind of what winged me into kind of, I guess what I do today, but yeah, sports is, I mean, it's always been a huge piece of my life. That's awesome. Well, with both parents, which I'm sure many of our fellow, um, strength and conditioning coaches, they grew up playing sports as well. And when your parents are big influences like that, that definitely, uh, plays a role. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about like the academic side of things, maybe where you went to college, got your master's, and then kind of how you got to the job you're in right now. Oh my goodness, that's a story in itself. <laughs> you got enough time? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went to a small school in Kentucky. Um, a lot of where I'm from, like you think of a poor place in, like, in the world, like think even poor. Like some of these places don't have running water. Uh, my dad was a minister. So we moved around a lot and he chose churches that were normally linked up to like children's centers and stuff like that. So with that, you don't get fancy private schools. You get a lot of backwoods kind of small town schools. And that's where I grew up. And what's sad is you see a lot of people that they just don't go on to college. A lot of them never left the county we were from. So my dad's big piece was like, my kids are going to be educated. We may be here, but education is huge. No matter what you find a way. But his other piece was I'm not paying for it. So um, I knew at a very young age, maybe academically, I wasn't going to get the scholarship that was needed and that's okay. Um, But I did know that I brought some skill set, I guess, with sport. I was definitely much better in track and had some better offers, but I was dead set on playing basketball. Um, So push come to sub, I ended up going to Berea College. It's in Kentucky. Really, really interesting, unique private school. Have you ever heard of it? Mm -mm. It's a, it's a liberal arts college. Every student there has to, they have to pay, like they have to work and that's how you kind of pay. So whether you're an athlete, whether you're not, my parents at the time were split. So I had to go to school based off my mom's income, single mom. I mean, it was based off this, you know, basically your FAFSA. Um, so I went under my mom's kind of income. And from there, I mean, I had to work a 20 hour week. I played basketball. There's all these crazy different rules that you have to follow because it's a private school. They can do whatever they want. Um, and honestly, my first year, all I could think about was I'm transferring out to the small division one in New York, get through this year, Candace. That's all you have to do. Year two came. Okay. One more year. And then year three was like, I'm not starting over because liberal arts degrees don't really transfer that well on credits. <laughs> um, but that was the best thing in my life that kept me there. I was a psych major my first three years. And do you know Corey Schlesinger? 
Yeah. Okay. So Corey and I went to college together. He played basketball there too. So he came back from Wake Forest and was like, Candace, you you can do this for a living. And I'd been training like strength training or whatever you want to call what we were doing with the men's basketball team. um, Cause we didn't have it for any of our other sports. And so he came back and he's like, Candace, this is a real job, like a real career. And so that's kind of what I guess catapulted me in. And if I wouldn't have stayed at Berea, I wouldn't have had the relationship I had with Corey. I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity awake like I did, which then springboarded me into pretty much fast forward 12 years later um, into the career that I have. So from there, I went to Wake, did my internship, came back. I was our strength coach my senior year. Um, Corey and I bought some bumpers and a plate or a bar from Wake and we trained our teams. It was kind of cool. So Corey and I had no clue what we were doing. We thought we did. We had no clue. I look back at some of the stuff I was doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and from there, I took a year off of school. Actually, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was supposed to go play basketball overseas. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll do an internship for the summer, and then I'll go play. I'll go hoop overseas. Yeah. And uh, I actually, the only person to respond to me out of the 50 people that I sent emails to was Donnie Mabe at Texas. Wow. It's crazy. I I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that. You send out a thousand things, nobody responds, but that one person you're like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) There's um (laughs) yes, like I maybe I can make it. Um, but yeah, so no, Donnie, but the funny thing is, is Donnie's like he didn't extend an offer for me to come work the athletes. He's like, we have the strength camp that we do for these kids. Come on down. You can work it for three weeks. So I'm like, okay, three weeks. And I take a month off. I go play, I go play ball. Like, that's cool. I can do this. I go down there and he's like, Hey, why don't you work with me with volleyball? And of course you got to remember, I'm a small town girl from Kentucky. I walk into Texas athletics. I called my dad and I'm like, what is this place? He's like, Candace, welcome to power five in the big 12. And I'm like, Pops like, what? Like you get in the elevator, they play the fight song. <laughs> like the facilities alone, like my mind was blown. Yeah. Um, and then I get to work with these and Texas volleyball, like, come on. So, and then I worked with football, which I had never been around football like that in my life. And then I was hooked, man. Um, so anyway, I stayed there. I was only supposed to stay for the summer for three weeks. Then it turned into a month. Then it turned into two. And then coach Madden sat me down. I was like, Candace, you're not Candace Parker. And I was like, that's rude, but you're right. <laughs> he goes, uh, yeah, he said, <laughs> he said, uh, you're not Candace Parker. You go overseas. You may play for a year. You stay here. You'll be a director by 27, 28. And I'm like, okay. He's like, but you're going to work for free. So I literally found like these odds and ends jobs. I think it was like a CrossFit gym. I know strength coaches out there. You're going to be like, really, Candace? Best thing ever. It taught me to like work with different populations. Um, And I stayed there for a year, went to the conference that we all go to. And that's where I got my GA Citadel. Um, Went out there. I did my master's with Donnell Boucher. He's he's amazing. And then uh, from there, I went to Baylor. And then I was there for seven. And then I came here. So it's been quite a journey. I met a lot of people along the way, but I'm telling you where it started was definitely Berea College and Corey Schlesinger coming back, geeked out about how Ethan Reeve taught him Olympic lifting and there's no other way to life than that. Um, But I think both of us have definitely evolved over the years. (laughs) Sure, sure. I watch his Instagram, so... (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah, I know. Right. Like I was like, do you remember the days you used to be like, it's the bar or nothing. Like it's, it's really funny how you kind of evolve throughout your career. (laughs) It is crazy for sure. Oh, it's it's insane. Okay. So here's what I hear throughout your entire upbringing and uh, your path in your career so far is the importance of hard work. Would you agree with that? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you're only going to get into this life, what you put out there and sure. nobody's going to do it for you. You've yeah. got to kind of like, it's like, I always say, like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely faith driven. And, um, people say all the time, well, I prayed and I prayed and I'm like, God said, get up and go do it. Like, okay, you can pray for so long, but then you got to get up off your knees and go do something. Yeah. And I just feel like, I don't know, like the hard work's there, but it's also, I think, I think another piece is like the people around you. You got to surround yourself with some great people. Work hard and surround yourself with people you want to be like. Yes. Which is why I freaking started this podcast. Let's build some more connections through these conversations. I know. Isn't it crazy how it's 2019? There's so many connections, but we really only talk at conferences. Are you kidding me? Or there's some amazing people out in this field, but for whatever reason, maybe they're not out of power five or maybe they just didn't know the right person. You don't know about them. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, so many people don't get recognized. Yes. Like you don't have to win a national championship to be a heck of a strength coach, you know what I mean? Or just a person. So no, I think it's uh, I think it's great what you're doing on this. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Okay. So you mentioned it before the golden gloves. Can you give us why you got into it and how the heck <laughs> you are now? Am I incorrect in saying you're competing for like the Olympic team now? Okay. No. Okay. So you're not, I'm trying to get on the Olympic team. Okay. Um, okay. So I'll start with, why I started wanting to get punched in the face to like what my goals are for it. Let's be real. That's what happens. Right. (laughs) It's not like I'm just out there hitting mitts, getting in fitness shape, you know? Um, so I'm going to be honest with you. It started when I was at the Citadel. It's a military school. Um, there was a guy there. He was actually like an ex boxer slash MMA guy. And he would always be doing these mitts. And I'm like, Oh, that looks so cool. Um, actually, you know what? Let's rewind. When I was at Texas, um, coach Madden had these little dummies that look like humans and he would do this stuff with the linemen. Like, you know, you got some big guys, they got to lose some weight. You can't just run them. And he'd always have them do these little combos. So I started like messing around with that when nobody was watching. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is really cool. I like to hit things like no joke, like Doug and it's like, it's fun. Um, and then fast forward, I go to the Citadel and then I take it a step further and I'm like, what are these mitts they're doing? Like, this looks fun. And then when I went on my interview for Baylor, I was remember I was so nervous the night before. So I asked the guy that I was a GA with, I'm like, can you let me do those mitt things? Like, it makes me so tired. I know I'll sleep like a baby. Well, I didn't have boxing gloves. I had the MMA gloves. So my knuckles were so bloody and ripped up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, how am I going to hide this? But luckily it worked in my favor. I get on the interview and the first thing coach Kyle says to me is, Ooh, you box dude without even thinking. I was like, Oh yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, I hit mitts. Like that's not really boxing, but I wanted to be, you know, I want to be the cool kid. So I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You see this? Like I did this last night. Not like I was so scared on coming and nervous that I needed to like get it out. It was like, Oh yeah, coach, I boxed. No, I didn't. Uh, (laughs) But then fast forward, I get the job at Baylor and, uh, I didn't understand at the time we're young and dumb, like, but coaches have to find an outlet, right? Like, 
it, some of them do yoga, some of them read, some of them. sew. I don't know who does that, but I'm sure there's ones out there that do. And, uh, coach causes was boxing, right? Well, he'd bring this guy in. He was awesome. And they'd go out to the indoor and they would box. Well, of course I'm bobbing over trying to fit in with everybody. And I'm like, Hey, can I box with you? And he kind of looks at me and I know in that moment, he's thinking, this is my alone time. But out of the kindness of his heart, he said, yes. So I started doing mitts with him on and off, not knowing that I was interrupting his time with himself. I feel so bad for that. Sorry, coach cause. Um, but yeah, so it started with some mitts and, uh, then it was like on and off. Cause I was also doing this. I'm sure you did it too. I was on a powerlifting kick and then I did an Olympic lifting kick and well, I'm going to compete in this. And then two surgeries later, I'm like, I'm an idiot. Uh, but I still want to compete. And then what's really funny and I haven't really shared this, but what really stemmed me doing this is I got broke up with and I was heartbroken Ooh. and I'm like, I'm not going to go see a counselor. I know my mental health is in a wreck right now. Yeah. How do I get myself out of this hole? And I'm like, I need something. I'm not going to do yoga. Like there's just no way. What can I do that won't allow me to think? Cause when I'm on the, you know, I'm out here lifting, people can come talk to me. Like there's rest between your sets. Like boxing, you constantly have to be focused or you get hit. Yeah. So I was like, coach cause you think I could do some one-on-ones with Jamie. And so then I started boxing and I literally reignited myself or found myself again. And I dug myself out of kind of this dark place. Um, and then it ended up me going from the indoor to go into a boxing gym and then being surrounded by these animals. And I was like, Ooh, I want to be them, you know? <laughs> and then I found another way to compete, but I found a way I think to find myself again. Um, cause with boxing, you completely have to be present. And I think so much, especially when you're climbing the ladder, um, and you're kind of in college athletics. And I said this once before at a play lab, like you forget to love yourself you forget to take care of yourself because you're pouring into everybody else. And I think boxing was a way for me for one to realize like, I don't need someone to be happy. Like I don't need some title. Like I can love myself. And then in return, I noticed that I love so many more people on a different level. Um, and I, I just think it's so true. Like take care of yourself so you can take care of others. And I think through boxing, it, it showed me a way to do that. And then the competitive side, of course, I want to push the envelope. I was like, dude, I want to compete. Like, why not try it? We get the athletes to yeah. do this. Like, why not put myself out? Of, I haven't legit had a competition in five years since my powerlifting meet. Like, let's do this. And people are like, Candice, you're too old. I think at the time I was 28, 29. You got to remember, hitting 30 is a real thing, man. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, I'm about to turn 30. So I think that was like, not midlife crisis, because I'm not quite that old. But it was one of my moments where I'm like, do this now or you'll never do it. Yeah. Um, and then people told me I couldn't. So of course that's more, more fuel. You can't tell me that. So, uh, I showed up at my first boxing match and nobody showed up. I had to cut 10 pounds that week. Terrible. I didn't know what I was doing. I basically starved myself and dehydrated myself. Ugh. Um, and then the person didn't show up. Oh, you have no idea. So then I go to another fight. Same thing happens. And then I'm finally like, what in the world? But then I get the call from UL and uh, I go down to the interview. I come here. First thing I do is start looking for a boxing gym, but I can't find any of them. So anyway, I take the job. I kind of put a heavy bag up in the weight room. I'm boxing on that. Still trying to be like, I really still want to box. And uh, I have a Bell's palsy attack. And uh, right then and there, I knew like, Candice, you strayed away from taking care of yourself again. Like you got to go back to doing what was working. So literally that day I got in my car and I found a gym and I've been there ever since. 
Um, and then kind of through that, like, it's crazy. You know what I'm telling you, people you meet? The lady that trains me is the featherweight champ of the world. Like at one point. Cool. Like, are you telling me? I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana. You kidding me that I stumble upon that? <laughs> the guy that heads up the nonprofit that I box at, he was Ali's sparring partner. He wow. coached seven world title holders. I'm a small girl from Kentucky. And I got people like that working with me. Like what? Um, so yeah, you have no idea. I'm like, I'm, that's why I said, like, I'm so blessed. And then just, you know, there's a guy named Anthony. He was a pro boxer out of Canada. I got to work with him. And then through this, my first loss was this girl uh, named Ariel Davis. My second fight ever. She was ranked number, I think eight in the country, maybe seven. She was, I think maybe she had one loss. I couldn't find a fight. I'd show up at fights. Nobody would be there. So I finally, they're like, well, we got a girl, but Candace, like, I'm like, I'll take it. Best yeah. loss of my life. True. Her coach. Uh, I don't know. Do you know who Roy Jones Jr. is? Sounds familiar. He, yeah. Okay. Look him up. Everyone in the boxing world knows who this man is. Her coach coached him. Oh. So anyway, I fight. I'm super sour. I have my first loss. Nobody likes that, but I'll tell you, it made me a better coach out of it. I swear. I got to experience some of what our kids go through. And I, like, it's not like we hadn't before, but you forget, you know? Yep. So anyway, six months later, I get a phone call and they're like, hey, Errol wants to be sparring partners with you. And I'm like, I could either A, say, no, I lost you. I want nothing to do with you. Or B, it created the best friendship I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Um, so I go down there twice a week to once or twice a week down in New Orleans. I spar, I work with that coach there. So I'm telling you like, when I say I am blessed with who I get to be surrounded with, I mean, come on, my sparring partner is the girl that just won Gold Glove Nationals. So, I mean, yeah. So what I'm doing now to answer your question from earlier, um, they have the qualifiers. There's four of them. We have two left. One this month, one in November. You make the finals, which is the last two people, you get an invite to the Olympic trials. Wow. So the Olympic trials are in December, actually in Louisiana. It's an hour from where I'm at. So, and what's crazy is there's another strength coach, Brianna, that's at Wisconsin. She's a, she's a boxer too. So she just dropped down to my weight class. So it would be the coolest thing in the world if me and her both are in the finals fighting each other. Like that would be so amazing, I think for our field and just everything in general. Um, But yeah, so we leave Sunday for that. And it's a week long. You got to weigh in every day. I mean, if you make it to the finals, you would have fought in four days in a row. It's four fights, four days, four straight days. That's so I've only had two fights in a row when I was at Golden Gloves. So this will definitely be a mental test for sure. <laughs> uh, I already reached out to Heather Mason up at Ohio and I was like, Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some help up there. Cause she's in Columbus. Yeah. So I may be using their ice bath <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Networking at its finest right there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Holy cow. Okay. So Multiple that was a lot. I hope that now. answered your question. <laughs> no, you just like literally blew my mind up. So number one, um, in order for coaches to be the best that they can be, they have to live well in order to lead well is kind of what I took away from that. You've got to take care of Ooh, I like how you worded that. Yeah. Well, you know, I got way smarter people than me who give me all these tidbits. So, oh, um, I love it. I love it. Live well to lead well. Then um, you said it impacted you as a coach the loss. So can you give us kind of some insight to how that impacted you and your coaching with your student athletes there, or maybe even your staff? I don't know. Maybe it impacted all of them. I think it, it just reminds you you're human, but I'm not going to lie. Like I was so nervous before that fight 
And it makes me think like, you know, you have these schools that say they're not even power five, but they go up against your two and three power fives in the country. Like that nervous feeling like, oh my gosh, or I don't know. Like it's a, your senior night and it's your last game. Like those nerves that you get, I hadn't experienced that. And so not in powerlifting, I didn't in anything, but right before my fire with Ariel, dude, I was vomiting. Like I was out there. I couldn't get through 30 seconds of mitt work to warm up. And so my nerves are shot beforehand. And then you go and you do this three rounds, like three minutes and you're exhausted and then you lose. And then I'm sitting there like, there's nobody I can blame it on. Nobody like missed shots. Nobody had bad, it was me. And so I think like that loss really made me check myself on what could I have done better up to this point. Then sometimes in boxing, like they're just better. Like they just are. And I think sometimes our kids forget like, you're not bad because you lost. For one, hats off for you getting in there and competing. But for two, sometimes people are just better. But it makes you ask yourself, like, what did I do beforehand that maybe could have gotten me better? So I think the coaching role, it makes me scale it back and realize, like, these nerves these athletes feel are real. Um, I can't chalk them down and be like, stop being nervous, you're fine. Like, those are real feelings. People take them in different ways. And I noticed something, I didn't realize I would freak out that bad. And it taught me something about myself there. So I started meditating after that. I was like, I have to, I have to find a way to calm down. And through that, I've got a couple of my basketball girls actually that did a couple meditations with me. Um, and it was like different things that were like on my staff, like it is a real thing and nerves when you're like working with coaches or, you know, somebody tears your ACL and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's my fault. It's like, okay, it's good to lose. It's good to be sour about it, but then you got to find a way to bounce back and find a way to let's attack the next one. You're not a loser because you lost. You're just not. You lost, but you learned from it. And I used to be like, ah, people just say that when they lose, but it's the truth. Um, And like I said, that loss literally catapulted me in. It was the best loss I've ever had in my life. Um, And I think that helps teach our kids. Like you can learn a lot from that. So it's okay to fail. Oh my gosh. You got to fail a thousand times to succeed once. Look at the greatest people in the world, Steve Jobs, like look at like Gates, look at all of them. Like people fell and it's okay. Like, but people don't remember those failures. Those are, they remember those one or two times that you did great. Like all that stuff gets forgotten. Sure. And sometimes our failures ended up not even being a failure at all. It could be some of our biggest successes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, for example, I thought I was a failure because I didn't transfer out of Berea college because, oh my gosh, I didn't, I don't get to say I was a D1 player. Like that doesn't matter. I'm 32 and that doesn't matter at all. My biggest failure actually ended up being this 12 years of a career that I have. And all these people I met, like, it's just, I don't know. It's just crazy. I don't think anything happens by chance. Like it was destined for me to meet Corey to springboard me into this. It just was. And I wouldn't have had that if I wouldn't have felled myself into Berea, I guess you could say. Yeah. So. Wow. Freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> you, you are in a position as an assistant AD, and I would imagine that many listening aspire to be that or maybe already are in that role. What wisdom can you impart on them maybe to get there or when you're there, how to be successful? Um, I say it all the time, like crap can get you to the top, but it won't keep you. And I think being a female in the field you already have a leg up because there's not very many of us and people are always needing females. Um, and I think sometimes we're catapulted to the top a little sooner than what we're ready to. And of course I don't, I don't think you're ever ready for something. I think you become ready by getting there, but I think there's a few times 
that sometimes we get there and we're just not ready or we're not, we shouldn't be in the position that we're given. There's a lot of people that are out there that should have that spot, but because we're a female, we get it. Um, and for that, like, I'm truly sorry, but that's, it's just kind of how life works out, but it's what you do when you get there. So I think my biggest thing is a couple things, actually, just because you're in that role doesn't mean you actually are qualified for it. So stop acting or pretending like you are. And then if you are qualified for it, make sure you stay humble about it. Um, we're in a man's world. It's just plain and simple. Do the, do the math. You see the percentages. It's the truth. Do I think we're getting better? Yes. But we still have a high turnover for females in the field um, for several different reasons, I feel, which is merely my opinion. But I think what we have to do is when we do get there, do a quality job, stay humble, and don't change yourself to fit the position. And just because maybe a power five calls or another school calls and they offer you six figures or whatever it is to go be that, make sure you fit within that because that's your your dash. I always like saying, live your dash. Like that's your life. That's your legacy. Don't go there just because you want the polo. Make sure it's a fit for you. And then if you do choose to go there, make sure everyone that you have the blessing and people say to be in charge of, which I don't think you work with them, make sure you pour into them and help give them opportunities. So they get that opportunity. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think we have to do a better job of when we get there, making it high quality work. I think our mission in life is wherever you go, whatever you do, leave it better than what you came. And if you can't do that, or you feel like you're straying away from that, it's not, it doesn't mean you're a bad coach. Right. Sometimes it's just time to move on. Yeah. Sometimes maybe just like our, we say all the time, 18 to 22 year olds change daily. So do we, mm-hmm. and maybe running around with the whistle yelling out PRs just isn't for you anymore. And I know there's a time limit for this for me. Um, hence why I'm getting into more of the administrative side. Like, I'm sorry. Like to me, I don't know if in 10 years from now, I want to be out there doing that. I love these athletes, but I want to make sure I have another avenue out. Um, so I'd say the biggest thing is take care of yourself, (laughs) love yourself, because no matter what position you're in, you're going to have to do that to people. And if you're bitter and angry and lonely and hurt, you're going to coach and you're going to lead that way without even knowing it. Sometimes you can only fake it for so long. Um, that was a lot. I'm sorry, (laughs) but I just feel like there's just so much to that question a little bit. Um, and people are too afraid to talk about it because you set this five-year plan out, like be here before I'm this age. I want to be a director. And sometimes people just because, okay, we were talking about the gym last night, just because you were a good boxer doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach. Yeah. Maybe you're just a really darn good boxer. Yeah. So just because you're an amazing assistant doesn't mean you have to go be a director. There's no shame in forever being an amazing assistant. But the world tells us we have to do that. Now, my thing is, is if you're a director and you have somebody like that still doesn't mean don't get them promoted, like give them some type of promotion that leads them to what they're really great at. Give them bonuses, like, but maybe that's what they want to be. And there's no shame in that. And I think people have to come to terms with that. And that's okay. Like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. If you want to go home and be a stay at home mom. I have a best friend right now that was a director at a big university as a dietitian. And right now she's a stay at home mom with two kids. And I call her and I'm like, what are you up to today? And she tells me, I'm like, how do you do that? She's like, what do you mean? How do you do what you do? And I'm like, no, like, dude, what? Like I have so much like 
admiration for her. Like it's truly, I mean, yeah, we say we pour into kids and mold them. She's literally molding two young men right now. Wow. Like she may be in the diaper phase of things, which don't get me started on that. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm like, I have so much respect for you. But people thought she was crazy for stepping away. But I am so honored to call her my friend and watch her kind of lead that life. So I think we just don't need to guilt ourselves when we decide we want to go somewhere else or be something, you know? Yep. I think we put an unneeded pressure on ourselves. Sure. I went on my soapbox. I'll get off of it now. <laughs> Girl, you can stay on it because you are literally hitting everything that I want you to do through this podcast. Um, so my next question was going to be and kind of get you to go down this path, but I feel like you kind of already did. So you tell me, what, have you seen obstacles that other females or maybe yourself um, have dealt with in their career just being in this field? And it, does, it doesn't have to be like... Um, necessarily with just men. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. you can probably agree with me. I've had more men in my career that have uplifted me and tried to make me the yep. best I can be. Um, yep. not in a negative way at all. Like, it's like, look, coach, I want you to be a part of my tree and I want you to succeed. So, but mm-hmm. what other, have you seen any other kind of obstacles? And maybe it's what you just shared with the dietitian. Like, it's just, do I want to step away? Do I want to stay in it? Something of that. Mm-hmm. I think we hold ourselves back. I think we are our own worst enemies. I think because we're in this man world in our minds, like even me saying it is giving that power, right? Like it's 2019. I should probably stop using that verbiage. So (laughs) today I'm going to make it, I'm going to make a promise right here. I can't swallow and stop using that verbiage because our world is what we make it. Right. Um, but I think we hold ourselves back because we set our own limitations then I think if you look out throughout history with all the great things, like we think our world is so big in the strength world, but look at what, oh my gosh, like people have broke down bigger barriers than what we complain about daily. Like, are you kidding me? And we're going to like, so I think first off, we set our own limitations by our minds. Our minds are very powerful. Um, So I think step number one is we've got to be more in tunes and take more control. Like we train our bodies, right? Squats over right now, right? (laughs) everybody's out there squatting their butts off. How many people are meditating or going to therapy and talking and doing gratitude journals to like take, maybe we should have like a, a mind, I don't know what we mind March or something like that. You know, like let's take control of our minds that way. I got to come up with a better name that, that, that kind of stunk. But my thing is, I think mentally we hold ourselves back. And then I think we as females hold each other back. I think that's through jealousy. I think that's through being insecure in in ourselves, which is what jealousy is. Guess what happens? We get older, right? We're not the young ones anymore. We're not. There's these young 22-year-olds that can get in Squatober and squat 250 and not walk away and hurt for five days. Um, They look good. They're energetic. They're young. They haven't been, I guess, beat down by the 10 to 12 years of just everything we're fighting, which half the time we brought on those wars ourselves. Yes. And this kind of answer is like the art of war for women. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it talks about like, even in the business world, not even in the strength world, just how like we hold ourselves back and we cut our legs out from underneath each other and we do it and we don't even recognize we do it. And that could be surely, maybe we're jealous about the way someone looks, maybe the attention they get, maybe, well, what the heck is she doing at this school? She just started a year ago. And I think through, and then we also get into our little worlds where we have a staff of 10 guys and we're the mama bear no, 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 this is my world. You stay out. And it's kind of funny. Like, I know I've done that. I know I have. And I've probably said some choice words about people. I don't even know who you are, but maybe you rub me the wrong way at a conference. Cause 
And you know what? We go to conferences and we're all nervous. We don't purposely do it. She could be the biggest sweetheart in the world, but I already prejudged it because maybe, I don't know. I'm going to say it. Everybody thinks it. her shorts are too short. Uh-huh. Maybe nobody told her. Right. We go to this dinner. Oh, her dress is way too tight. Oh my God. Like stuff like that is so backwards the way we do things. Instead of going up and be like, I think you're a great professional. Maybe the next time on these things, we don't really wear that. How many of us have truly done that? Or maybe calling someone and saying, hey, you know what? Congratulations on that job. That is amazing you got there so quickly. That is so big for our field. How many of us have ever done that? Not very many. So my thing is, I think we hold ourselves back. We hold each other back. And I think another thing I've seen is you have to have the right administration. And that goes from, I mean... Goodness gracious, I worked under Koskazadi for seven years. He was the football guy, but he ran all of this. I was the Olympic director, but I answered to a guy, which didn't answer to another guy. And I think the biggest thing is you look into administration, you don't see that many females for whatever reason. Maybe it's a, just, just things happen. You know what I mean? And I just think the administration, you got to make sure we get some of our voices up there and we're heard. Hence why I'm doing what I'm doing. Not because I definitely, I want to be, my goal in life was to be an athletic director. But I think instead of complaining about it, we need to have a voice at the table. I think if we want to be heard, then we need to be willing to step up to the plate and put ourselves in a position where we can be. Um, But those would be the three biggest obstacles. But I've been very fortunate, even the admin that I've had, like you said, I've been around some males that have supported me way beyond any support. And then it's the other thing. I had a chance once, and I'll be honest, and she knows who she is without me listing her name off. (laughs) I did not do a good job of taking her mentorship. I came in there at 23. I had my preconceived thing that I should be the director. And I had an opportunity to work with a female that had been in the field for 10 plus years and I didn't take advantage of it. So for anybody out there that's maybe in a situation like that right now, check your ego, man. You'll get a chance to lead soon enough if that's what you're destined to do. Enjoy being an assistant. Enjoy taking that mentorship. Don't be stubborn like I was and miss three years with someone and you don't always have to agree with them. No, that's why they hired you. You shouldn't be the same as them. But I took an opportunity with the, with the person. And I, that's probably one of my biggest mistakes is I just didn't take advantage of it because I was an arrogant little 23 year old that thought she knew everything. And for that, she knows who I'm I'm talking. She knows who she is. (laughs) I apologize from the bottom of my heart. Um, Cause I should have been slapped plain and simple. <laughs> um, but I just think, like I said, we hold each other back for whatever reason, you know, there's no point in it. Um, but yeah, I would say, I hope that answered it. <laughs> nope. That was fantastic. Okay. Let's do three quick, uh, little fire questions, a book that has positively shaped you. And maybe you already gave it. Uh, the carpenter. I just read that. I cried. It was amazing. Spoke to me. Perfect. All right. Share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. I can burp my alphabet three times. It's really gross, but I just eat really fast because I do everything really fast. Like if I probably go back and listen to this, I'm talking really fast. I did a podcast before and they're like, I can't just slow down. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, but I do everything fast, which hints. I can burn my alphabet three times. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, <laughs> not what you expected, right? You're no, welcome. definitely not. But that's the question. <laughs> I get to know you on a deeper level without um, having to get into serious, serious conversation. Um, no, I get it. 
give us a call to action for the strength and conditioning profession, something that the listeners can do after hearing our conversation. Take care of yourself. Perfect. I'm dead serious. Find something, anything, take care of yourself. Um, I'm, I'm really, especially like, I'm just really sad and tired of seeing our field have such a high turnover rate. Um, and when I say take care of yourself, take care of each other. Like, I mean, we're, we're at will employees half the time. Um, a lot of us lose our jobs. There's a lot of young people trying to scrap their ways in, help people out as much as you can. Uh, we had a person I interviewed here, didn't get the job, but I'm like, they just didn't fit. It's not because they were a bad person. Pick up the phone and call somebody that you know. Maybe they can get linked up that way. Like you literally are in a position to where you can change somebody's legacy in their life. Um, but if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to have the headspace or even be able to think about taking care of anybody else. So just be sure to rest, reju- rejuvenate, take care of your mind, man. Mental health is a real big issue right now. And it, it isn't just with our student athletes, it's with ourselves. Um, so yeah, like there's no shame in training your brain as much as you train your muscles. Amen. Golly, you're on fire today. All right. Um, thank you. (laughs) This has been amazing, um, for me to learn more about you and your experiences. Um, and I know I got better today hearing what you've had to say, and I hope our listeners take away the importance of hard work, um, build connections with people, find your hobby, your something to love yourself. and then. Go out and learn from failure or mistakes, um, things that could make you into who you are today. Can you just follow me around and like do this? Like you're putting everything. I like how you put all that into a summary. Instead of 20 minutes, you did it in 30 seconds. (laughs) um, I got these people who just listen to my podcast and then they're like, this is how we're going to make it better. So um, you're experiencing a little bit of better out of my podcast today, which is fantastic. Um, well, you did a fabulous job, so thank you. Well, thank you. Where can our listeners um, go to find out more about you and contact you with any questions they may have? Um, honestly, probably Instagram. I keep an open page. Uh, I post everything. I mean, I apologize. You may see photos of me boxing. You may see my athletes training. You may see me in Colorado enjoying some Nuggets games because that's going to happen. Um, but I keep everything on there. I'm pretty open book about my relationships, my families, everything like that. I think you got to be well balanced, you know. Yep. Um, but you can also, I mean, text me. I'm going to get 254-749-1170. You guys need anything, text me. My athletes are going to say, Candace, you're the worst texter backer ever. I'll text back. This is my thing. I want to make sure you get attention. If I'm talking to somebody and text me, I need to literally, so I'm like, okay, I'll text them back in a second. When I text you back, it means you have my full attention. Um, So yeah, I mean, shoot me a text, call me. If I don't text you back, give me a couple hours, I promise I will. Or you can DM me, like anything you need, I'm an open book. I think that's the best way to give back. You're probably like, did she just give her cell phone number out? I did. Um, (laughs) That happened, everyone. That really happened. So literally anything you guys need, just let me know. Um, I've been doing this for about 12 years now. I definitely do not have it all figured out. There's people that are way better than me. You know, some of these people out there I'm talking about, but if I can help, I'm there if you need it. Love it. I will put uh, those links and your number in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll keep the number out and only if they listen, they can get the number. If they listen, write it down. Keep it professional, please. Thank you. (laughs) But um, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me. Um, I'm really excited for all of our listeners to hear your story.
no, I appreciate you for having me and keep doing this. I think it's amazing. This is the stuff that'll move us forward. So I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of KC's Conversations. If you have liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review to help continue to accomplish the mission of highlighting female strength and conditioning coaches.